Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It is Good to be with you. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to johnwarrenmedia.com for more information about our work. And you can send a comment there through our contact form if you'd like, or you can email me directly at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. Well, our last episode was me telling my story, talking about salvation talking about conversion, regeneration, justification by faith. And I talked about far more personal details of my story than I really care to. But I received a number of inquiries from you uh, wanting to hear more and uh, some from old friends. And I am happy to describe the hope that lies within me. And uh, I I hope I did so in a God-honoring way, not in a John-honoring way. It is quite a story. I didn't go into lots of detail. But I hope if you have questions, if I have uh, prompted questions, uh, that you will contact me uh, so that I can answer them and so that I can respond. Well, today we're going to talk about the economy again. It's a topic I really didn't intend to talk so much about when I set out to do this podcast 15 months or so ago. Um, But this economy has just been crazy. It's been uh, up and down and unpredictable. It's been just challenging even for well-trained people who understand this stuff. Uh, and, uh, I want to be as, uh, of as much help to you as I can possibly be. One of the things that I do in my classes at circle Christian school is I talk with my students, um, at the beginning of every U S government class, even about the economy and how it's going. And here's Here's what they tell me, Uh, you know, gas prices are obvious, uh, utilities are going up. We we really have an inflation problem. And by inflation, in simple terms, I mean increases in pricing for things that consumers need and want. And that's really a problem that cuts across all uh, socioeconomic, uh, the entire socioeconomic spectrum It impacts all of us. It impacts some people worse than others. Uh, Large families that are not uh, financially well configured are suffering. I mentioned before how my wife and I saw a long line on a highway nearby our home and found that it was a line going into a park and the sign said free food uh, distribution on that day. And it was alarming how, how long that line was. I don't have other points of reference to help me understand what that line would have been like in a good economy, but I would imagine that it stretched on the line for miles, looked like it did, and 
you know, hundreds, if not thousands of cars were in that line. And I would imagine that has a lot to do with this economy. So I, I hear all the time or often that this is the President Biden economy, the Joe Biden economy, the Biden economy, the Democrats are running government and look, they're running it into the ground. And and I, I often just want to kind of press the pause button. I, I, I understand that sentiment, but the economy cycles. And and in my opinion, if you want to, uh, you can point blame at this administration for sure. They made some decisions, uh, especially with respect to to oil and 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 even, you know, the open border and even the way they talk about money, the way they've spent money. But you can certainly criticize them. And, and you can you can also criticize the Trump administration. If you go back and look at the national debt, where we've been, and where we are now, we've talked about that on this podcast. We're now at just almost $31 trillion in national debt. I was showing my students some political campaign ads for the presidency. Presidential attack ads for the last 60 years is, I think, what it was called. It was a YouTube montage. And it was really interesting because there was some criticism. I want to say it was Walter Mondale who was running against Ronald Reagan when Reagan was running for a second term, I believe. And and he was criticizing Reagan for running the deficit up to $1 billion, if I remember correctly. And I thought, wow, look how far we've come or how low we've gone. So this is a, a big problem, uh, lots of leverage. The Federal Reserve is also... Um, you know, felt that they've had this this double or triple, depending on who you talk to, mandate. And they, they're, they're generally, in short, they believe they're responsible for maintaining GDP at a certain level and maintaining prices at a certain level. And they do so primarily through interest rates. And so you've been watching interest rate increases. And 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 we've we've kind of gone into, I'm not going to call it totally unprecedented, but really peculiar territory wherein the Federal Reserve has been raising rates at uh, 0.75 a clip. Not every month do they meet. I believe they meet six or seven times a year, and they have been aggressively raising rates. They're saying they plan to continue, and they believe they're doing so in an effort to offset inflation. Inflation being rising prices. Well, the problem with that, and you've heard me say this here, this here on this podcast before, that is the problem with that is that they really printed money they in an effort to stimulate the economy. They allocated money for PPP and other COVID-related relief. And I would argue they've irresponsibly spent our way without balancing the budget into this, this problem. They've done things that are inflationary. That is, the federal government and the Federal Reserve, let's lump them all together, they have approved policies and spending and money printing that, that have devalued our currency. And the way that shows up for you and me is prices prices rise. Now, I don't want to oversimplify this. I don't want to get in an argument with somebody who says you sound like a Milt Friedman acolyte. That's about the biggest compliment they could pay me, by the way, 
or it sounds like you're you're reading too much Thomas Sowell. Sowell, sorry, I, I don't I don't think you can read too much Thomas Sowell. But yes, I'm I'm conservative, and I believe government put us in this position. I I believe if you look at the economy in the U.S. over the last two hundred years or more, you will see that. We've gone through some normal economic cycles. Government has tried to intervene, and they've made a mess of it here and there. We had an episode on this, if you want to go back and look for it. But today, I want to I want to just talk about some good old-fashioned advice. And, you know, I'm not going to disparage Dave Ramsey, but I'm going to suggest to you that, you know, just in their normal talks and their normal instruction they, you know, they've got a foundations program in finance. And I, I know others who've, who've got finance curriculum for young people for school. And I know that Ron DeSantis, the Florida government has, has approved a, a requirement that uh, uh, finance, uh, financial literacy be included in curriculum. I, I get all I, and I know the need for all that stuff, but I'm just going to I'm going to propose this to you. There are some very specific things that we should all be doing, and I don't have a comprehensive list for you today, but I think there are some very practical things that we should all do that I see people struggling with day to day, and I just want to talk about those. It's almost a beyond Dave Ramsey discussion. Uh, I think his principles of budgeting and spending and reducing debt are, are, are very valuable. I think I think we have to be intellectually honest about the fact that our government, this the student loan relief, I, I I have good friends who've benefited from it and are going to benefit from it, or you know who agree with it uh, conceptually, and I I I like helping people too, but but I don't like this redistribution of wealth, and I'm not using a that's not a dog whistle, I I, I just don't like parts of society paying for the actions of other parts. I don't like welders and plumbers and hardworking tradespeople having to pay off Susie's gender studies college debt. I don't like it. I think that we, we all make economic financial decisions and we should live with the consequences. Perhaps there was some relief that was appropriate, maybe in terms but you don't just eliminate debt. Somebody advanced the funds. The funds were used for a purpose. They were spent. And there's just no magic wand that allows us to eliminate debts. Debt. Somebody's taking a charge off there. So I, I want to kind of talk about all of that today. And we'll, we'll try to do this in an orderly fashion. But first, let's just look at just basic, here's what you'd hear from Dave Ramsey or any financial advisor. Basic personal financial management. Have a budget. Now, as a Christian, and I don't like sentences that start with as a Christian, but I, I'm making a distinction uh, for a reason. Uh, as a Christian, we, we're obligated to obey Scripture. So we we should not be loving money per the sermon on the mount in matthew 6 in particular no one can serve verse 24 no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god in money 
Well, most of us read that and say, yeah, that's right. I can't stand those people who serve money. And then we turn right around and just obsess over money all the time. And I, I, I don't want to lecture or preach uh, to you or yell at you today about your choices. I don't. Uh, that's not the point of this exercise. Today, I, I want to just pass on some, some good advice. But I have to say, go to Scripture for, as your source of absolute truth. That's the first step as a Christian in, in understanding this. Don't make an idol. No matter how much you have, you can make an idol out of your money. And you can think that I'm not going to tithe, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to do these things. And you can you can think that you're going to get away with that and that you can just force everything to work out and you cannot. There are some principles that are biblical principles from God with the way God ordered the world. So have a budget. Should you absolutely earn as much money as possible at all costs? No. Should you be responsible and try to have a responsible job and try to earn as much as you can? Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's not. But if you sacrifice, if you don't have a system of values and, and, and with, with your relationship with God, glorifying God and loving your neighbor as yourself being preeminent, and, and then, and then that, that turns into loving your family, supporting your family, being the right parents, the right husband, the right wife, um, engaging in church and all those, all those things. I could just drone on about practical advice for a long time, but but really, budgeting, uh, learning how, and this doesn't mean have no fun whatsoever. You can go to Dave Ramsey and others like him for plenty of material on how to do this. But take a look at your income, your family income, and if you're saddled with debt, you've got to consider that. You've got to then list all of your expenses. And just see where you are month after month. And and you'll probably go through a budget um, in an effort to, right? I'd start with here, here's what we do today. And, and you'll probably forget some things. So pull that checkbook out and those credit card statements out. Your bank's website will, will give you, your financial institution will give you all the, the granular detail here. And look at what you're doing today. And if that budget doesn't balance, and by balance I mean if your expenses exceed your income, on a monthly basis, even on a seasonal basis, maybe not forever, but for certain times of the year, then I believe the prudent thing to do if you can do it is to reduce your expenses so that your budget balances, so that you have more income or as much income as you do expenses. You'd be surprised what you don't have to have if you stop trying to keep up with the Joneses or if you stop putting your faith in, if you stop worshiping things, if you try to serve money then, then you're going to find that this gets all out of kilter. So you'd be surprised what you can kind of clean up there. Doesn't mean be miserable. It doesn't mean never go out to dinner. It doesn't mean don't go on vacations. It means find ways to do those things cost effectively. I am so impressed with many of the Circle Christian School families. I've talked about Circle almost every podcast episode because I teach there. And serve on the board there. And I'm, I am grateful for so many of those families. They find ways to do things cost effectively. So, yeah, it's important to pay attention, work hard, earn as much money as possible. But it's also important not to spend it frivolously. And sometimes just going through this exercise and making a list, not, not necessarily, you know, getting each other, everybody in the family in a headlock financially, but, but just kind of 
clamping down on, you know, here's what we're doing here. Identify the expenses, identify sources of income, identify waste, identify excesses and, and eliminate those things. But if you're saddled with a lot of debt today, what are you to do? And let's just say that you haven't been responsible with that debt. It has ballooned to a much larger amount than you can handle. And you're, you're just not gaining on it. Well, one of the things you can do is, is negotiate with your financial institution. You can ask for a rate reduction. Now, they, they might not give it to you. I could, I could go through a litany of financial institutions, and I know many of their cultures. And I know some will and some won't. I know that you also have, uh, per the uh, U.S. Constitution, you have a bankruptcy code that, if absolutely necessary, works in your favor, would force your creditors to reorganize your debt. I'm not advocating that you go try to wiggle out of debt or commitments you've made otherwise, but if you are really up against it and it's unpleasant to do, I'm not giving you legal advice. Go get legal advice. Go to a bankruptcy attorney not a one-size-fits-all attorney. And if that makes sense for you as a way to solve your, your being overwhelmed by the terms of your debt and that becomes necessary, then, then I would say pursue it. I would pursue it prayerfully and carefully and I would make it an almost a last resort. Now, if we've gotten past current debt and we have a budget, I think, one of the other things we have to look at, and I, I don't want to prompt you to go sell your house or sell your cars, but are we just living a lifestyle that is unnecessary? Is there a way to downsize? Is there a way to pare back? And again, I'm not suggesting that you sacrifice so much that you're miserable, but I am suggesting that you might not need that 5,000 square foot house. You might not need the exotic car. And you want to sell those things on your terms, methodically, if you're going to downsize. Are you going to right size? Are you going to be more effect, effective and efficient? If you're going to go from the big luxury sedan to a smaller vehicle, you want to do it your way. You don't want to just go into a car dealer and, and become a victim. This is probably not the right time to be buying a new car. But but if downsizing is in order, I think I think we need to, consider those things. If you're just not gaining, if you're in that 60% of Americans, 60 to 70% have no real savings. And if you're in that group and you need to make some tough decisions, then I hope you'll, I hope you'll make them. But as, as we look forward and we think about this economy and where it's going, I don't think it's any great secret that the federal reserve is, is kind of hearkening back to the Jimmy Carter days and, and they are raising interest rates to cool this economy off. So we have what some economists are calling stagflation. That is high inflation with interest rates that are rising. So, so we, we, we don't have real good economic growth. We're trying to slow the economy. So we're going to see limited GDP growth but still high inflation. And those things usually don't go together. Usually the economy is much more robust when we have high inflation, but the federal reserve is deliberately and, and where they've taken rates today is not really that high. 
um, where they're headed is 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 definitely higher. They're they're talking about, and this is a you know it's a guess. We have lots of people follow the Fed, and you can you can go read all the articles. Uh, I like the Wall Street Journal as a, a good place to go, but you can go to other resources that are free, and you can you can read all the articles about the number of increases that the Fed is yet to make in the discount rate. Now, the discount rate is the only rate the Federal Reserve sets. It's the overnight borrowing rate that banks charge each other and that the Fed charges banks. And it's it's generally thought of as the kind of the the wholesale cost of, of money. And so that's what the Fed has been increasing. They increased it a few weeks ago by 0.75%. They say they're going to increase it a couple more times this year uh, by, by calendar year end. And then they might increase it once more or so next year. We're just speculating when we say that. We can't be sure. They want to increase rates enough to slow down inflation. My students say that those of them who are who go to Publix, our shopping, our grocery store, uh, supermarket around here, or wherever they go, they're paying double now what they paid two years ago for the same family, same eating pattern. And that is unsustainable for this country. People are hurting. The number of people who are behind on their utility bills is, is at a record-setting uh, volume. So we, we have a problem. You might not feel it in your family, and I might not feel it in mine, but America's middle class is hurting, and you might be part of that group. And you probably feel like there's very little that you can do. So... I want to just talk through with you what to expect going forward and maybe help you help all of us develop a strategy, how to deal with this. So if we had somebody with domestic management skills, they could, you know, home economic skills like my wife, for example, who's been on here before. There, there are a lot of things that you can do as far as not spending as much money at the grocery store you can you can do substitute goods that's an economic concept that comes into play in an economy like this you don't have to buy the same cuts of meat you can substitute it's hard for a large family to keep everybody eating healthily but it's possible to do it's possible to go to discounters it's possible to buy groceries at walmart many of you might already do that or winn dixie or other places it's possible to shop for off-brand, house brands, uh, uh, generics, and, and all kinds of things that you can do with some effort to kind of tighten all of that up. But I, but I want to talk about a couple of things that I think are important even in this environment. I found a, a, a little calculator, and there, there are a bunch of them on the internet. You don't even need to go buy a calculator anymore. You can just go to a website and there, there's, a one, there's one at bankrate, B-A-N-K-R-A-T-E dot com that will help you. It's a savings, a simple interest savings multiplier. And it'll kind of help you with your with your budgeting. One, one of the good things, the maybe a silver lining here about this rate environment in this economy is that CD rates and money market rates are starting to go up. And you can... You can go to a free or almost free investment advisor firm on online like I, I'm not sponsored by anybody. So uh, I can mention TD Ameritrade or or uh, E-Trade or, or one of the others. 
Yeah, you can go to one of those companies and and pretty much buy CDs for free. You can go to your bank. You can shop around on Bankrate, and and you can you can find that now if you're if you're smart about how you do it, you can earn four to five percent on FDIC insured money. Now, everything I'm telling you is not investment advice for you. I'm just I'm not licensed to give you investment advice. I'm just giving you good practical resources to go to. And you, you make your own decisions. But if you look at where rates are today, they're, they're, you know, they're somewhere in the 4 to 5% range. And there, there's some complication here. The, the yield curve, the, if you drew a curve for the one-day rate, the federal discount rate at less than 3% still, and you went all the way out to 30-year mortgages, which are at, I don't know, 6.5-ish right now, you'd probably you know, see a... a an upward sloping curve at times. And then if you look at the two year and 10 year T bill, they, they, they're kind of interesting right now. They're, they're hovering at, at the four ish percent. And you could begin to get a feel, the sense that rates as the fed raises rates, these longer term rates generally move as well as well. The yield curve is somewhat inverted in that the two year treasury is higher slightly than the, the 10 year, the yield curve is more flat. That's unusual. It usually slopes upward. And there are some reasons for that, that we don't need to worry about today, but you can basically, if you're, if you're willing to, if you're enabled to put some money aside for, for, for two years or more, you can earn somewhere in the four to 5% range today. If you need for that money to stay liquid in a money market account, then the rate's going to be a little lower. But I, I went to this calculator just, just kind of for fun because I want to be able to tell you, and I do this with my students, if, if, you, if you'd like to have a million dollars someday and you really can't invest a ton, but you have, you've done all the budgeting and you've done the, the paring things down and you've, you've downsized or right-sized, you've adjusted your, your extravagant spending and brought it into line and you've got an extra $1,000 a month. And I know some of you are thinking, look, buddy, I wouldn't, I'd go celebrate if I had a thousand dollars a month. I don't have anything like that. I've got a big family and I've got all kinds of struggles. I am sympathetic to you, but I'm just picking this number as an example. If you started with ten thousand dollars and you added a thousand dollars a month for thirty three years at five percent, you'd have over a million dollars. So if you're twenty years old and you'd like to retire a millionaire when you're when you're in your early fifties, you could save a thousand dollars a month at five percent now. Where are rates going to be long term? Are you going to are you going to want to invest in equities and other bonds and other instruments down the road? Mutual funds. What about ETFs and all the rest? I, I'm not giving you investment advice. I'm just using a simple certificate of deposit interest calculation, just a simple savings calculation, regardless of the instrument, just for illustration purposes. So, you say you want to be a millionaire, and it sounds unreachable then you can do so by saving, uh, starting with $10,000 and saving $1,000 a month for 33 years at 5%. Now, as the rate goes up, the duration goes down, or you can, even if you, if you just simply change the rate, if we just change the rate to 7% over that same 33 years, and that might sound high to you, but it's not for any 33-year period in our modern history, if you can get 7% return for that 33 years, same $10,000 to start with and $1,000 saved a month, 
then you end up at a million five sixty five. So, and, and you know, you got to think about taxes and 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 all the rest and and other investments, and you might get some bonuses at work, and you might get a lump sum. You might not be able to do a thousand dollars a month, but you might get some sort of bonus at year end and be able to do ten or twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year, just depending on how you're configured and how your income flows. Uh, you might be an entrepreneur. You might own your own business and have big jobs and small jobs, and you might be able to stick $20,000 in the bank here and there. And if you have a great job, you might be able to do that again, you know, sort of randomly. The The point is have a system and, and do it, and you'll be shocked at, at how much you can accumulate. You don't have to have that big hit. For example, if I change the variable to $2,000 a month at 7%, now I'm over $3 million in 33 years. And if you want to retire earlier, let's say you're, you're in your 30s and you've got a, oh, I don't know, a, say a 20-year horizon you're thinking about. Well, at 7%, $2,000 a month, starting with $10,000, you end up just over a million. So go, go to Bankrate or some other website that has one of these calculators and play with it. And, and you, can, you can at least develop a plan. Now, I believe, and again, I'm not giving investment advice, but I believe when you're younger, you can take more risk. And I, I understand all that. Uh, when you're older and you've saved your nest egg and you're moving it around in bonds or CDs, you, you probably need to be very careful. But that, yeah, I can, I can answer a few questions for you privately if you, if you, if you have, have some. But again, I'm not licensed and trained to give personal investment advice, I just wanted to point out that as you reduce debt, if you if you do a good job of reducing your debt and you take that money that you were spending just to keep your head above water and you put it away, even if you invest very conservatively in FDIC instruments or something similar to that, bank typical bank products like CDs, you can accumulate a lot of money over time. If interest rates continue to rise, and, and you know they might, I, I hope they don't go beyond 7% uh, for, for, say, the two-year, 10-year treasury. But if they do, then, then you, you improve the retirement math. And, and really, the Fed's going to reach the point where they do cool this economy off. But for right now, the economy is just too hot. They should have seen it coming. I believe we did too much in the way of a COVID stimulus, but... Anyway, that's where we are. So we've addressed the budget, managing debt, and to, with the goal of eliminating it, finding a way to eliminate it, adjusting lifestyle. And now we've talked about investing. If you make investing systematic, I had a friend one time who said, it only hurts once. In other words, if you just plan for it and you, you realize, you know, I make X, but I'm going to save 10 or 20%. It, it really only hurts once. It, it just hurts as you make that adjustment it, and requires a little bit of a change. But find other low-cost things to do and and you should be able to, to, to save something. But if you make saving a methodical, systematic thing that you do, you'll find that you just have more as the years go by. You don't really have to stress out as much about that next emergency and so on. And I like keeping buckets of money in my head, at least, where you have 
an emergency fund of about a year's salary. And I know Dave says six months and all that, but about a year's salary, about a year's worth of expenses anyway. And then you have, you have your day-to-day checking, you have that emergency fund set aside, and then you start to really build this, this retirement fund. And by retirement fund, it doesn't have to be an IRA or a 401k. It can be, it can be just a regular account or it can be an IRA or a 401k. So, that that's really my my uh, covering of the investment topic. The next one is you know I I don't want to sound like I believe in karma, but I but I want to sound like I believe in scripture, which I do. That is tithing or giving. I believe the model in scripture, and I'm not going to get in the weeds on this topic, is to tithe or give ten percent to your local church, and if you do more beyond that, then 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 you could you could support other ministries, but I don't think you take 10 ministries and carve them all up and give them each 1%. I, th- I think the model is then for the new Testament church is to tithe there. And, and I've, I've heard sermons on all the math and how the number is really much higher than 10%. And I've heard people say, no, you're, you're, you're pulling something from the old Testament and you shouldn't do that. Well, I, I find it a good guide. And I, and I, I think probably what scripture is getting at more clearly, I know this to be true, is it's the way we give. We should be giving sacrificially and cheerfully. And God blesses, here's the part that sounds like karma, it's not, God blesses us as we give. He, I'm not suggesting he, he blesses us with some exponent associated with our giving or some interest rate or some, you know, he owes us because we gave. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm suggesting that in my experience and, and based on what I know of scripture, the principle is to give sacrificially and generously so that the needs of others, including ministry may be met and, and God blesses that effort. I would hate to see you take all of my advice, except this piece because you have an idol and that idol is your money and you're struggling to worship God and, and instead you're replacing God with money. I did it for years. My wife and I changed our pattern. If you listen to my story a few decades ago, a couple of decades ago, we changed our pattern and began to give and it, it is, it has just been amazing knowing that you're obedient to scripture and the peace of mind that that entails is, is, is worth it. We're still flawed. We're still, you know, do we give generously enough? I sometimes, yes, sometimes probably not. Uh, but, but make giving just as systematic as savings. That would be my encouragement to you. Then I, I would say I've, I've got another one and, and I, I, I want to wrap this conversation up, but I, but I stay with me here for this one. Don't just read your Twitter feed and stress out all the time. Don't, don't worry about what the Dow did today. I mean, you're welcome to follow that. I encourage my students to follow the economy. But look at this as waves in the ocean, not an EKG. It Don't live and die every day based on what some guy on the news tells you. Just look at, look at big waves in the ocean that just flow. And the economy cycles. The economy improves, it declines, and so on. It has a way about it. And I, can, I could, if you, we were in the room together, I could draw 
a curve and show you, I, I draw like, like repeated uh, curves that have uh, troughs, they, it dips down and then others that have peaks and just trough and peak and trough and peak and trough and peak and show you how the economy, uh, de- I can demonstrate physically how it naturally has peaks and valleys. Where we get in trouble is when government intervenes. And, and it takes this natural, so you can imagine, I'm going to grossly oversimplify this, but you can imagine that when the economy starts to bottom out, it bottoms out because asset prices decline and people jump in in a free market economy and say that asset is a good purchase for me because it's a good deal now. And then, and then it begins to improve, the economy does. And then there's lots of opportunity. There's too much exuberance. And, and the economy peaks and then it goes down into another valley and that continues. Well, it is when government gets involved and by government, I include the federal reserve and um, the money printing that they do, the policies they have, the, the overspending that our government, all, all of that impacts even uh, drugs that come into the country, even uh, immigration policies, uh, wars certainly impact the economy, but but the economy is pretty much going to be cyclical, even with government interference, involvement. And I would just encourage you to keep on course. I would encourage you to stay the course, to have a plan and execute the plan. Now, that means we can't get our head turned because some opportunity is just too good to be true. There's a, there's a risk-return relationship that we all need to understand. If it's too good to be true, it probably has too much risk. If the return is just outside of market norms, and you've got to do a little research to know this, but if it's outside of market norms, then it probably has too much risk. It certainly does for me. I want to minimize risk and maximize return, but be realistic so that I don't miss something. So there's a relationship there. Play the long game. In a very real sense, this is all consistent with Scripture, isn't it? We're supposed to read and study Scripture and grow over the long term. We're supposed to love each other lavishly as, as, if, as if today's our last day, in a sense. To use the time wisely, to love others lavishly, and to serve others well. But with money, with the economy, with, with our personal financial situation, I believe We have to treat it like the long game that it is. Now, there are exceptions to this. If you if you receive an inheritance and, you know, these large sums that come to people can really be damning, can really cause problems. And so I would urge you to have a plan for those kinds of things and and know that you're going to be disciplined and you're going to save. And, you know, I know you want to love your children and 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 give generously to them and help them. There's, there's a way to do that in moderation that it, you still want them to be sufficient. You still don't want them to be given false economic comfort. You, you don't want to be a distraction to them. And you certainly don't want to deviate from your prudent savings plan so that you've, you've contemplated your own retirement and uh, met met your own needs. So these are complicated issues. There's tension there. I, I get it. I, I probably haven't told you anything too 
earth shattering. You'd probably like to hear from me where, where are interest rates going to be in a year? And the, the honest answer is I don't know. But I will say this. If you've been lulled to sleep by interest rates over the last 20 years, especially the last 10, then brace for impact because I don't think we're going back to the Jimmy Carter years, but we're going to have higher rates, significantly higher rates for a long period of time. This economy needs to cool and the Fed is going to have to be vigilant. Now they, there are all kinds of models that predict what they're going to do down the road, but I, I think we can plan to have higher rates. This more than ever says reduce debt. If you've got variable rate debt, please reduce it. It just makes sense to do so. If you're not disciplined, I have students who acknowledge in class, they'll say, I'm a shopper and I love to spend money. If that's who you are, find ways to do that without breaking the bank. Try to learn a new pattern. Try to get some pleasure from your shopping, but make it cost effective and definitely have a plan to reduce debt. I hope this has been helpful. It certainly isn't lecturing or condemning. I have personally made lots of the mistakes, financial mistakes that I just alluded to. Um, I don't want to diminish the value of financial advisors. If you're if your income and your savings are high enough and you need an advisor, then by all means, hire one. I don't diminish their value. For the average person who's just starting out or the young couple, a visit, a no-cost visit to just get some good perspective might benefit you. I would exercise caution, go to the right ones, do some research, and uh, I would uh, step carefully when developing your own long-term strategy and then execute that strategy while glorifying God. One rule of thumb that I'll close with is make sure that all of this isn't interfering in, isn't distracting you from your love for our Lord and your love for others. You're glorifying God. You're advancing God's kingdom and others. It is far more important that we do those things. What I find is that Finances can get in the way when people are wanting to do the right thing for their children or wanting to focus on the right thing. If you're fielding calls and correspondence and dealing with debt and you're just you're just getting crushed by it, then you need to seek some professional counseling help, either from an attorney or someone else. These there are some predatory firms that pretend to want to help you and you've got to be careful there. If you have a specific situation and you'd like me to generally give you just some thoughts, I'm, I'm happy to. Again, I'm not an attorney and I'm not an investment advisor, but I can certainly try to give you some thoughts that might help you find good professionals who can help you. So I hope this has been beneficial. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find uh, more about us on our website, johnwarrenmedia.com. Feel free to send a long comment there or send an email to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. I'm going to be praying that God blesses your efforts as you try to employ some of these very simple, straightforward strategies. And I, I hope to hear from you. I hope you'll comment on social media. I'd love to participate in a conversation that might be mutually beneficial with you. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. 
please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.